You're listening to The Fallout with Joey Semmel and Drew Gillis. Thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome into another episode of The Fallout, Joey and Drew. What's up, guys? Back to bring you some more sports fun. And wait, 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 wait. We got big news. You know it's sports day, right? We are less than five hours now from opening day in Major League Baseball. Real sports happening live in American television. And as Barstool's done so clearly, the MLS hasn't counted. And and (laughs) as they pointed out, it's so funny because they're literally the MLS is back tournament and no one's acknowledging them. No. The video they released, too, I think it was part of my take. They released the video. It was one of the funniest videos I've ever seen. Just like, <laughs> I wish I could remember the sequence of it, but just like, sports are back. This means no more of this. It's like politics. X. <laughs> MLS. X. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, no. Seriously. Real sports are back. Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer in five hours. Love that. We are so excited. By the time this episode comes out, every team in Major League Baseball will have played. Yes. Um, but Who you got tonight, though? Fuck it. Let's talk about it. I mean, I'm going to pick the Yankees. I, like, I think <laughs> Cole looked so good in his sim games against the Yankees lineup. And frankly, the Nats lineup isn't quite as good as the Yankees lineup. Um, so if Cole's on, I see no reason. Even tonight, where Aaron Boone said he's going to give him 90 to 100 pitches. I think he can go seven innings I and agree. strike out 12 if he wants to. I mean, I'm going to take the Nats because I got my, my boy Scherzer, my Cy Young vote. I don't think the Nats lineup needs to be as good as the Yankees when they got Scherzer on the bump. It could be a one nothing game. It, it could it be. Really I, mean, that's, I mean, that's that's what Bobby was hoping for. He said the other day, I want it to be a 2-1 game. Like, I, yeah. Or arguably the two best pitchers in baseball. DeGrom would yell at me if he was <laughs> sitting right here. Yeah. But he's not because we have. So would Verlander, <laughs> to be fair. Verlander, I mean, he did no. just win Cy Young. But, but he didn't deserve it. <laughs> Everyone knows he didn't deserve yeah. it. So. All right, Joe. It's over under reaction time. You My ready? favorite. Mike Tyson fighting this September is the worst thing that has happened to sports in 2020. Absolutely. That's the correct reaction. There's no doubt. This is a joke. This is a joke of a fight. He's 54 years old fighting a 51-year-old. Wait, wait, wait. I want to ask. I'm interrupting to ask you. Are you going to buy the fight? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an overreaction. No, it is. It is. It is. I'm going to I'm going to buy the fight because we're so fucking desperate. Sports are coming today and we're still so desperate for action that we're going to watch a 54-year-old fight a 51-year-old and we're going to pay for it. This is bullshit. It's such bullshit. The rest of the fights, I kind of like the rest of the system that they're doing. They're having a lot of MMA fighters fight against boxers, and I think that unites the fighting sports in general. I I think that's a good thing for both boxing and UFC. And this fight in general is a good thing for boxing. But I think this is a fucking waste of my time. That's When I look at this fight, I'm like, come on. I'm really going to watch this? It's kind of like, here's what I'll equate it to. It's like when an old music group it's like when the Eagles go on tour, right? I don't go to those people, shows. But a lot of people do. Yeah, they sell out. A lot out. of people like it. They sell out every venue they go to. So I don't hate this. We're watching. It's not just any fighter, right? We're not watching Joe Schmo. We're watching Mike Tyson. <laughs> it's Mike Tyson, right? The guy who bit Evander Holyfield's fucking ear I was, was going to say over-under on ears. Right, right. Fight. So, like, <laughs> so like this isn't just any guy. It's one of the most entertaining fighters Ever and how many years has it been since he fought? I don't know. Yeah, but too many. I don't care, but too fucking you, many. You've seen the Instagram videos. The guy's in shape. He looks so good, and he's ready. 
He's just been prepping for this bullshit for months. He's been, someone told him a long time ago, like six months, 12 months ago, they were like, you can have a fight because we're not going to have sports because of COVID. If you have a fight, you'll rake in yeah, money. Yeah, 12 months ago they said that? Yes. they knew about COVID Yes, they predicted it then. And that's why you got in shape. Jesus, Jesus Christ, that was terrible. It was really, really bad. <laughs> really, really bad. One of the worst ever. You're going to say we should cut that? We should leave it so the world knows how stupid you are. <laughs> All right, I'm moving on, though. The Seattle Kraken which is the new hockey team in Seattle. Fuck yeah. It's the coolest name in sports history. Underreaction. I think it's the coolest name ever. In, like my, anything, my baby's name ever. might be the Kraken. <laughs> might be Seattle Kraken, Kraken after this team. Kraken Gillis. <laughs> Jesus. Terrible. Uh, remember when the Vegas Golden Knights were picked a few years back? And when they were picked, I was like, okay, that's fine. It's a good name. And then they brought the jerseys out with the, the gray and the yellow trim. And I was like, okay, these aren't bad. They look good. It's a decent logo. It's a decent jersey. The Kraken wins, and it's not close. I think immediately the Kraken's the best mascot in the sport. When I think of hockey, I think of people hitting each other as hard as they fucking can. And the Kraken's not going to mess around on the ice. I love to see it. I just I think about when I saw this, where my head went was the amount of times they're going to use release the Kraken. Release the Kraken. Right, so every time the team comes on the ice, this gave me chills. Think about it. Every time the team comes on the ice, they're going to say release the Kraken and they're all going to skate out in like their little form that they do. Um, and, their little form, their little that, they form that they do. I mean, think about it as, as Caps fans. And I know you're the biggest hockey fan in the world. I know. But, but as Caps fans, I mean, okay, I'm just going to talk for myself here because you don't give a shit. <laughs> but when they say rock the red and the guys come excited. on the ice, no, 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 no. I kind of get chills. You know, you, you when, when the, in the Rockets, red glare, I get chills. Release the Kraken. It's going to be awesome. Oh my God. And, and, if you haven't looked up their logo, go look it up because it is so sick. Dude, it's and it's the, the nice. jerseys look good. Like I've I've always been, I've always said the dark blue on the light blue of jerseys. It's a winner. It looks good every time. I mean, Mariners. Mariners have killer jerseys. I think. I'm I'm a fan of this. Yeah, big time. Jump right in with the rollout. So, Drew, I want to get initial thoughts on opening day last night and talk about some of the weekend games that are ahead of us. But let's do one thing at a time. I know I get excited because it's baseball. <laughs> I'm, I'm like jittery. Like we're both just kind of moving around it's a lot. It's been a slow week until yesterday. And baseball is back. <laughs> so the key thing here is baseball is back. Thoughts about last night. Saw one and a half games, I guess we'll call it. Yeah. Um, wish we could have seen two. Wish we could have seen two. I know you agree two. with that. Although I'll take one and oh. <laughs> yeah, so, I know you will. Yankees and Nationals played the first game of the night. Cole Scherzer, it was hyped up. World Series champions against the World Series favorites for this year. Um, well, tied, but still. Yeah. Um, and Cole Scherzer, two of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, and it was fun. <laughs> Cole took it. And here's the thing about, here's my biggest impression of the night in general. Well, two of them. One is that, Regardless of Cole, I look at that Nationals lineup and I go, really? That's a defending champion lineup? Well, no, it's not because it's Rendon-less I know, I know. and soto and Zimmerman-less. With, like- with Soto in the lineup, this lineup's a lot more dynamic. But even with him in it, I'm looking at a lot of the guys in here. I'm, I'm like, really? This guy's starting for, for the Washington Nationals after they win the World Series? You got Starlin Castro's in the three-hole last night. As their starting third baseman, so it's not it's not that different than what it was last year. And if you think about like with Soto and Zimmerman, it's really really not different than what it was last year, minus Rendon. But like, 
I worry about them being able to win games um, with a lineup that is Soto-less because it's really, really not that deep. And, I agree. And, I mean, Howie Kendrick is Howie Kendrick. He's going to get you a hit, maybe two every night. Um, Trey Turner will get on base. You saw what Eaton can do yesterday. Yep. The moan hit for them. But then you're kind of talking about Starling Castro having to carry a lot of weight, uh, Eric Thames, and it, you never know what you're going to get from him because yeah. – yep. 2017 really good for half the year really bad for half the year 2018 was kind of the same who knows yep I mean we know their starting pitching is going to carry them right I mean they have I would say the best starting rotation in baseball I don't think it's that close um the other impression I had from last night though is Garrett Cole Garrett Cole here's the thing about Garrett Cole it's so easy to say he dominated but I think I didn't have his best stuff that's the most important thing to point out in this scenario he faced the reigning champions albeit without Soto and Zimmerman and, and Rendon, and with but he Alex faced Stevenson. the reigning <laughs> champions with Alex Stevenson. Faced the reigning champions. How many times can I say that? They had a great tweet about that last night, too. Yeah, it, was, it was very well done. <laughs> um, dominated them, right? Through a quote-unquote complete game. Complete game, one hitter. One hitter. I Did not have his best stuff at all. I, the, th- the first three innings, it shocked me, actually. He couldn't really locate the ball. He didn't really know where it was going, and it just didn't matter because his stuff is almost untouchable. Then he zoned in and was literally untouchable. And the amazing thing, too, is like you can see it in the, the strikeouts were low for him, only five in five innings. Like, like that's <laughs> low for him. So that'll ramp up, and if we get that or better every single time, then... But the rest of the league is in trouble. Well, it, it, it's what the Yankees have been missing. Is that guy? Every, it's exactly what they missed. Every fifth day, who you know is going to get you in, or in a playoff series, can pitch two or three times in a seven game series and hopefully win every time. You know, like like to put it simply, I feel good every time he goes out on the mound. And as a Yankee fan, it's been a while since I can truly, truly say that. I, you know, I, I say that, but I feel good every time because the Yankees lineup is also so good. But yeah, that, but it's um, not related to the pitching. You know what I mean? Yes, like, yes. like, I feel a lot more confident with Garrett Cole on the mound. Hot um, take. <laughs> than, than I do with a lot of the other guys, even still in the rotation. But having him anchor them every fifth day yep. just makes the, it makes the rest of the guys, it makes their job easier. Hot takes at the fallout. <laughs> Last thing about the Yankees, and I do want to point this out too, because he's on my fantasy team, but also, Giancarlo Stanton looked good. Yeah. And that's huge because, obviously, his contract's gargantuan contract. But he spent almost all of last year, almost the entirety of the year, on the IL. And he came back and looked strong. He looked healthy. He slimmed down a little bit. He looks like he's in great shape and pummeled a ball off Scherzer. Well, that's uh, all you can I'll, ask for I'll if you're a Yankee you, fan. I'll tell you, well, I, I want to say this, too. It's two guys who scored all, scored all the runs, had all the RBIs. It was Judge and Stanton, and that's just a you good just sign You just gotta love Yankees. that. Um, but uh, to think about Stanton is if you look at his swing, even from his 13 games last year, and you look at his swing from last night, he cut down his timing and his swing a little bit. Um, so that's part of the reason I think he looked so better. He's simplifying things. Mm-hmm. He's cleaning things up, and that's important. That's he, really, he, really important. I mean, he can afford to do it. He can hit 454 off Scherzer with a compact swing. Right. He's like Trout. Right. Maybe so, probably stronger than um, Trout, which is crazy. Last night was, as a Yankee fan, everything I wanted it to be. Yes, yes. <laughs> Except for I would have liked to see the last three innings. I know they got the win. But yeah. I want to transition to Giants-Dodgers. Um, 
not as many it headlines was, it here. Was, but it was billed as a rivalry. It's really not right now. Not right now. Um, I mean, it, it was a joke of competition. Because good we, God, that Giants lineup is so fucking It's bad. so bad. And the Dodgers lineup was so bad for seven innings that it made the game almost interesting. But Cueto looked really good. Cueto looked good through three and a third. Did one time through the order. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Then struggled to get out of the fourth, but finished four innings, one run. I mean... It, Pretty good opening day start for a guy that you didn't know at all what you're going to get from him. Yep. From him, Dustin May. I will. I got to be honest. He didn't impress me as much as I hoped for. But you pointed out something that was a really good point. It's a rookie he's on a rookie, opening day. I, he's a what rookie. Can you do, expect? Rookie doing a spot start on opening day. What can you expect? Yeah. <laughs> what do you What do you want him to do? Go I would. I would have loved to see the case. He had a pitch on uh, Rob Friedman's Twitter, pitching ninja. Um, a hundred miles an hour fastball that was tailing like the entire length of the plate. Well, so, so like, like the thing about it was stuff. is is like yes, like he didn't look incredible last night. He had a little some control issues. He left some balls over the middle of the plate, mm-hmm. but you can see the movement. You could see where it comes from, mm-hmm. and you think about it from that point of view, and you think about how he gets the jitters out now after starting on opening day for the World Series favorite Los Angeles Dodgers. Yep, right. That's a big deal. Well, it's a lot of pressure, too, because you're expected to win that game against the Dodgers. Right. It's not like this so, is going to be a close game. You were expected to blow them out. He's, he's starting on opening day, and so you got to figure next time out, that's just going to make him that much better because the yep. moment is a little less, the jitters are a little less, and all of a sudden, Dustin May can be unleashed. So you, you never want to see Clayton Kershaw go to the I.L. if you're Dodgers fans. Yep. but especially with a back issue. I think there's some silver lining here that we might see down the road as May gets even more and more comfortable, but really um he got all his jitters out in one start instead of it yes. taking a few yes. because all the jitters that he could possibly have get put into it being a spot start on opening day as a rookie. 1 2 3. Yeah, it's pretty much as bad as it can get. So, and he did pretty well with it. Yep. Uh Mookie with his first hit as a Dodger went 1 for 5. Um, took a knee before the game during the national anthem, which is, it was a big headline for him because in 2016, he mentioned he was never going to take a knee because his father was former military. He he said after the game last night, after taking the knee, he said, I didn't realize, like I, I wasn't really educated on the kneeling issue back then, but it has nothing to do with disgrace to military or anything like that. Right. It's totally unrelated. Um, and in fact, there, it was a football player that actually checked with a military member. And he said that kneeling was like the second most respectful action to take during the national anthem. Uh, as opposed to standing. So so Mookie's taking a knee last night, kind of a big headline, and then finished that off with the first hit as a Dodger. So good night for Mookie. So I want to transition now to favorite series of the weekend. Favorite series going into the rest of the weekend. Uh, I mean, my sleeper team, White Sox, playing against the Twins. I think that's the most exciting series of the weekend, probably. Um, I, I could see the White Sox really pulling it out in this division, getting first place. What's interesting is that doesn't really matter anymore. Them getting second place is all that matters, but this is a big start for them. This is a way to get their name really out there. People are picking them as a good pick this year because of the exact reasons I've listed. They got the young talent, not enough scouting reports on the guys. Their rotation's relatively deep, even with losing Kopech. This is their time to shine. This is their time to come out first day and say, we are for real. Um, and can the Twins back that up? Can, can the Twins go against that with the addition of Donaldson in their lineup? Their lineup's so scary, good now, good so lineup. good. That'll be an interesting one. And and in the NL, I'm going to take one more. 
In the NL, I love Diamondbacks Padres because the Diamondbacks this year actually have a decent amount of pressure on them to make the playoffs. After adding Baumgartner, after adding Starling Marte, they have a decent amount of pressure to make the playoffs in that second expanded seed in the West. And that that's going to be interesting because I don't think they'll get it. I'm a big Padres fan for that second seed in the West, and I, I don't see the Diamondbacks taking it. I don't think Baumgartner's a good enough addition to their rotation, and he's their opening day starter. That'll be an interesting series because I think that one will go down to the end of the season as to who gets that seed. Those are two good ones because they feature youth. And, and I want to make a point about youth. You know, Eduardo Perez made a great point last night. Essentially, right now, one game is three games, right? Yeah, that was a great point last right? night. Great so, point. So um, you look at a team like the White Sox who has rookies who are going to be in their starting lineup. Um, a, a lot of times guys like that will come up and they'll rake for three, four weeks. And then there's a scouting report, mm-hmm. right? But three, four weeks is 21 games. That's the equivalent of 60 games. That's a pretty big That's difference. A sizable it's a third of the, season, of the season, right? So um, I think the White Sox could be really, really scary this year. But I'll give you my two series. Also one in the AL, one in the NL. Um, Angels Athletics in the AL. Um, this one was going to be fun because I wanted to see Rendon hit behind Trout. Um, Rendon, unfortunately, out. But yes, yeah, even still, we're going to see Shohei Otani hit behind Trout, right? And I think the Angels are more primed to make the playoffs this year with the expanded playoffs, which we'll get to in a minute, um, than they have been at any point in Trout's career. I agree. I agree um, with that. Even though they don't have the pitching, I still I still agree with that because of the expanded playoffs. Well, and, and Rendon's going to come back, and I, I think their pitchers, they got some guys who can take a step forward who showed flashes last year. and I do think if, Heaney can take a step forward. Heaney and Griffin Canning, I think, both can take a step forward. And if you think about those two guys, if they can bottle up the flashes that they showed and make it really good for four or five starts this year, four or five starts, again, is like 12 or 15 starts. Yeah. Right? So, like, all of a sudden, it makes a big difference. Um, the NL series is Brewers-Cubs. Um, and this one's interesting to me because of the expanded playoffs, these are the two teams who will probably be competing for second in that division. Yes. Because the Cardinals are the favorite there. I think the Cardinals are the best team there. Um, but these two teams, I could see it going either way. I, I know people are down on the Cubs right now, but people forget they still have a lot of talent on we're, that we're, team. We're still pretty high on Chris Bryant. Well, you got Chris Bryant, you got Rizzo still, Baez, Contreras, I mean, like, and John Lester just doesn't slow down. So, like, they got guys there who, like, you think about it for a minute, Schwarber, um, Hayward still, like, they have a pretty good lineup. Yeah, they do. So, with an eight-team expanded playoff, I could see them in the playoffs, and then obviously the Brewers um, with Christian Yelich, always a threat. Yeah. Um, and I think Brendan Woodruff has the potential to have a little bit of a breakout year this year. I do, too. Um, so, two very interesting teams, and uh, Hendricks and um, Woodruff is going to be fun on opening day today. Yep. And we're, we're recording this right before opening day. Um, so I think that matchup's really interesting. But I want to quickly ask you, um, what are your thoughts on the expanded playoffs? Because each one of these series that we highlighted features teams who could be in that second or third spot in the division now competing for a playoff spot. And It does, yeah. Real quick to just explain the expanded playoffs. Yeah. Two teams from each division. It's eight teams in the AL, eight teams in the NL. So two teams in each division and then two quote-unquote wildcard teams who are the next two teams. So eight teams in the AL, eight teams in the NL. It's going to be a three-game series, a five-game series, and then back to normal with your seven-game series. I'll, I'll say this how I've been saying it to you for the past 24 hours since we found out about the news. 
this is bad for us, but it's good for baseball. It's, I, I think it's bad for the Braves and the Yankees because they were already playoff locks, in my opinion. Um, and, and I think it's really good for baseball because now, now there's more emphasis on watching a team like the Angels with Mike Trout. Like, we get to watch Mike Trout in his prime, and we should do that anyways, but now they have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs. We could have playoff Mike Trout. Another one is it creates debates between teams like the White Sox and the Indians, teams like the Diamondbacks and the Padres, teams like the Cubs and the Brewers. It'd be really interesting to see who's able to take advantage of that second spot. And the two wildcard teams remaining in there make it really interesting because a team like the Brewers could still miss. A team like the Phillies could still miss that spot. Even though they're perceived to be a contender, it's still not easy. It's still not going to be an easy road to the playoffs. I feel like people are going to perceive it as such because eight teams out of 15 in each league is just so many. But baseball's not that easy. You still have to show talent. You still have to show ability to make these playoffs regardless of what happens, and especially in the NL East. I mean, one of the good four teams, I think, is going to miss the playoffs, at least one of them. And it's going to be interesting. I I think this is good for baseball. It matches up with what basketball does for their playoffs. It's just more playoff baseball, more excitement, more fun. So I don't like it, and I'll tell you why I don't like it, because I agree on the surface it's good for baseball, but I think – there's a lot of potential for this to go awry. I really, really do. Because so, so last year, the eighth team in the AL would have been the 78 and 84 Texas Rangers, right? The one seed in the AL who was the Houston Astros with 107 wins um, were to play the Rangers. You'd expect the Astros to win, right? But it's baseball. <laughs> when the one seed plays the eighth seed in basketball, the one seed, the better team in basketball is g- going to win four times out of seven most of the time. Yes. The vast majority of the time. Yep. Baseball, especially in a three-game series. Not the case. The- not remotely close to the case. So so you're jumping, you, you're looking like you want to jump in here, but let me finish. Um, I worry about, so say the Yankees or the Astros gets that one seed. Who do you want to watch in the playoffs? You want to watch the Yankees and Astros. You want to watch the best teams play the best teams. Yes. Right? So I worry that whoever gets that eighth seed is not going to be the best team, but can win two out of three games because it's baseball. Weird shit happens in baseball. Yeah. So all of a sudden, if the Yankees or Dodgers, or God forbid, the Yankees and the Dodgers are sitting at home, or y- Yankees and Dodgers and Astros, whatever, and Braves, if you want to throw them in there. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> are sitting at home after that first weekend because of fluky series, then we're looking at what? A Rangers-Red Sox second round? That's not what we signed up for. So on the surface, good for baseball, more playoffs, more money. So I get why they do it. Um, but long term, I don't like this. I oh, get it. Oh, for long this year. term, I agree. I get it for this year because you want the excitement, you want to give teams a shot. But it worries me just that we're, it's going to slap baseball in the face. Like I understand what they're trying to do, but it's going to slap baseball in the face because the top teams, one of them is going to have a fluky loss in a three-game series. I mean, I'm definitely scared as a Braves fan, not only for the reason I already listed, which was that we were a lock for the playoffs anyways, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And including more teams in the playoff race just hurts us. It doesn't help our case at all. But what you just mentioned about the three-game series, we have proven, the Braves have proven year after year after year after year after fucking year that we can't win in the first round in a shortened series. We can't do it. We can't win a five-game series, regardless of whether or not we're actually better than the other team, like the Cardinals last year. We can't do it. We can't win a playoff series. And the fact that we have to win a three-game playoff series, is I, I think that's just even worse. It, it's like, we're going to play a three-game series 
against a team, like you name it, like it could be against the Brewers, right? It could be against a team with Christian Yelich, and Christian Yelich in that series could hit 700 with 14 homers, or, not or 14, but... We, we think about, like, like you look you look at the Rangers, you look at the Brewers, we talked about a Woodruff, how about a Mike Miner and a Lance Lynn for the Rangers? If you get one that's guy... A, that's a great one, has, you could win that series in the first right, two games. Right, and... Uh, Obviously, the hope is that Garrett Cole beats Mike Miner in game one, right? That is that's the, hope. the hope. But that doesn't happen every time in and baseball. And the fact that that's the hope is kind of a bummer for the top teams. But here we are going, where I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. But j- just from a viewership standpoint, the MLB should want a Yankees-Dodgers World Series or as close to it as they can get. They should want the titans of the sport going against each other as much as they can. They, they do want that, but I actually I, I kind of appreciate that they don't care about that right now. People have been blaming them. I've seen people blame them for like setting it up to be Yankees Dodgers in the past or, or something like that. You that's, know, that's stupid. Astros Dodgers. That's not how baseball works. I agree. I agree. <laughs> but I've seen people accusing them of setting it up. And this year you can't make that accusation. They've done the exact opposite. I mean, it, it could really be like White Sox Brewers World Series. I'm not saying it will be, but the fact that that's possible is pretty crazy. Now it's time for our standout guest this week, and we'll be talking to Carter Bosch, pitcher at Georgetown University and someone who we both played with in Little League. Um, You played with him in majors. I played with him before that, and then he and I played together in high school as well. I think when I played with him, too, I think we were uh, the best team in the league, and I think you guys were pretty much the worst team I've ever seen. Well, that's not <laughs> – we were in the semifinals, so it's like – Oh, shit. <laughs> but uh, it's all right, and, and I, I won a championship with him in high school, a couple actually. So uh, That's pretty cool. Made, made up for it. <laughs> uh, but we're excited to have Carter in, a guy who is – was supposed to have a really big sophomore season for Georgetown, cracked the rotation last year as a freshman. Um, so great things ahead for Carter Bosch. Let's jump right in. Let's start with the recruiting process. When did Georgetown enter the fold and um, how did you end up picking them over some other schools? Well, I can say, I guess from the beginning growing up, I always knew that I was always interested in like a highly academic school. Um, I wouldn't say at an early age, I knew I wanted to play college sports. Um, I don't think that was really a, an idea I had and maybe till sophomore or junior year of high school. Um, and personally it was first an interest in football. So I wanted to play college football before I wanted to play college baseball. Um, and there was a time kind of like my junior fall where kind of like right after the football season, um, I was more interested in like talking to schools for football, um, making some visits, that kind of stuff. And then I guess between my junior fall uh, for football and then my junior spring in baseball, I kind of really put an effort in to kind of like focus on getting stronger and I guess maturing in a way that made me um, able to be looked at by colleges. Um, And then that's kind of when baseball started and it kind of became my priority um, and when I wanted to play in college and when I knew that. So I got a call from the Georgetown coach and obviously I kind of talked to him a couple of times repeatedly over a couple of weeks Um, and he came and see me, he came and saw me throw. And, like, I loved everything about it. And I guess the whole timing of it was pretty quick. I remember it, like, by the first time he called me into when I knew, like, I wanted to go there, it was, like, less than two weeks. Um, And so once I kind of took a visit to campus, I knew it was obviously close to home. So, like, I knew a good bit about it. But uh, once I got on campus, met the coaching staff, um, got a tour of the facilities, that kind of stuff, and then kind of weighed my options and thought about 
um, how much Georgetown really has to offer academically. Um, it brought me everything I wanted and it provided me that. And I guess I, now that I'm there, I couldn't be happier. And I'm glad I made that choice uh, that junior summer. So I, I want to ask you about that junior season because um, it was one of the more incredible seasons I've seen someone put together combined both at the plate and on the mound. Like I'm, I'm serious. And cause you allowed what one run that entire year until the end of the year. Was, is that right? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what, what exactly changed in that workout plan that allowed you to do that? Was it just getting stronger and adding those miles per hour to the fastball or was it something more? So I think it was definitely a combination of kind of hit my growth spurt growing a little bit. Um, but then also like, um, helping that growth in a way by like working out and training in the right way, eating in the right way. Um, that winter was kind of like the first time I really got into like plyos or like drive line or like um, measuring like velocities on pull downs or like charting it almost like every two weeks, like measuring certain um, velos with different weighted balls um, and different types of throwing like mechanics and only like different, uh, exercises and through that then I was able to build up certain muscles in my arm and I guess build up confidence in a way and I mean I can tell you in that junior year it all kind of was like it all just like came out like I was just pleased that like all my work and all my effort in between the two seasons between the fall and the spring was like all kind of worth it and I guess that really helped me get recruited and that kind of stuff. So what was the biggest change going from like a season like that, your junior year in high school um, and having a senior year there as well. What's the change going into college then? Was it just doubling down on the work that you were talking about that you put in before junior year or was it different kind of work? What what kind of stuff did you do? So instead of just saying like the cliche stuff, I'm going to try and I guess add some interesting takes on it. I love that. I mean, <laughs> everything is different, obviously. Like everyone in college or like that's on a college team, regardless of the sport, not just baseball, was the best player on their high school team, if not the best, the second best, if not the best in the state, the second best in the state, like everyone's had that success in high school and everyone knows what it feels like. Um, but what I think one of the biggest things that like I kind of had to learn personally was your, your freshman year, if you get to play at all, you're going to fail regardless of how much you prepare, regardless of what you do on the field, what you do off the field. The thing that separates a lot of people and allow a lot of people to succeed their freshman year is how quickly they learn how to like adapt and change their game to be okay with that failure and take strides each day and be able to, the only word I can really use to describe it's like mature, but mature in like a, for me, a pitching sense. It's like pitching the high school hitters is way different than pitching the college pitchers or pitching the college hitters, excuse me. Um, and there's just a way that you learn that you can't just like know that all the second you show up to campus, you learn some of it from listening to upperclassmen on the team. You learn some of it just getting absolutely shelled in an inter squad game, or you learn some of it in totally off the field things where you have to learn how to time it or manage your time, or you have to know how to prioritize things. And Frankly, especially at a school like Georgetown, I think my freshman year, the biggest adjustment, obviously Potomac was very academic, but the biggest adjustment was essentially having like two jobs, like having to succeed in the classroom and having to succeed on the field. Well, it seems you made all those adaptations incredibly well, considering you actually cracked into your rotation in your freshman year at Georgetown, which is, I mean, that's kind of a crazy feat. 
you got a lot of appearances under your belt that year and got into the rotation. How'd you do it? Did, did, you made those adaptations quicker than most guys, I guess. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if, if you talk to anyone about how I play baseball, I'm a pretty cerebral guy, so I think about way too much. Um, so I can say the biggest thing that kind of unlocked a little bit of um, success for me was not thinking so much, not thinking about, well, if I throw this pitch here and then what pitch do I throw next, what's going to happen? Or like, if I give up a run here, what's my ERA going to be? Or like, how does that look for like scouts in three years? Because frankly, all those thoughts don't affect the outcome of what's going on at all. Um, and at least for like my first couple starts, especially even like my first out, uh, first outing, I got thrown into like bases loaded situation, first college appearance. And it didn't go well at all, but I just remember my thought process was just like so bad. I was like, don't give up a run. Don't give up a run. Don't give up a run. And frankly, like coming in with the bases loaded, no outs, like, you're going to give you're up lucky a run. to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. You're lucky to get out of there with one or two, especially against a good team. Um, so I would just say I, I was very lucky. Um, I obviously picked a school where I thought I'd get an opportunity to do that, um, which is a big thing. And then, yeah, just like not trying to think about all the things that I couldn't control. So I, I know you've lost the spring season this year. Um, what was that like? And what are you looking forward to about the 2021 season? Losing it was tough. I mean, you talk to anyone. You talk to anyone that lost their season, may even lose their season this fall. Um, any any athlete, really, high school, college, professional, is tough. It's like totally changes your life, like being home for everyone with quarantine. Um, I would say looking forward, I hope there's either an NCAA ruling or something that applies to the whole um, NCAA college baseball to – allow in-conference games or allow a certain amount of travel throughout the year or just a normal season with testing before and after the game. Like, I think at least for a school like Georgetown, we can't, or we suspended classes in person in the fall. So it's all online technically right now. Um, But I know not too many other schools have done that. Like I wouldn't say the majority have. So that really changes at least the athletic plan, especially for a spring sport, like, Usually we would have a lot of fall practice, but right now I have close to zero idea what's going to happen. And it's less than like three weeks away. Um, so I'm hoping, I guess our best hope right now would be kind of individual workouts, maybe like three to four players and the coach, or maybe even like virtual position player meetings or virtual pitcher meetings or uh, positional meetings. Um, I think it's going to take a lot of, teamwork and positivity to get through something where you don't get to see any of your teammates at all, especially because they're all from around the country. Um, I know we have like a workout plan that's virtual, but obviously with that and you, not everyone has access to a gym. Not everyone has access to dumbbells. Not everyone has access to really anything. Um, so it's all very limited. Um, so I think it's just try and make the best of the, so looking more forward now, um, after your first few years of college, what would you describe your draft scouting report as right now? How would you feel about it? Um, what do you mean by that? Is it like, do you mean to kind of reflect on rate, rate experiences your, I've had? Rate, rate yourself you on mean? the 20 to 80 scale. Give me, give me, tell us about your pitches, your velos. <laughs> like, I love this. Uh, give us the whole story. Give us the Carter Bosch story. Okay. Um, 
I'll get into it, but I don't know that I can give myself a rating. I don't, <laughs> I don't know all that stuff, but uh, so I'm currently working with the fastball. So four seam, two seam, pretty comfortable with both. Um, and then I have a change up and a slider. So I would say for my freshman year, my sophomore year, my slider got a lot better. I didn't really have a slider freshman year. It was kind of just like get me over curveball that was like supposed to be a slider, but it wasn't. And I had no control over where it was. Um, but this year I've really kind of honed in on like a reference point and where, where I need to, or where I should aim to throw it where I want. And I'm a lot more comfortable throwing it like um, plus counts or minus counts, depending on where I need it, whether I've kind of missed two fastballs and I'm behind two O and then I, you know, drop a slider in there and then it kind of gets me right back in the count. But uh, this fall there was a scouting day um, that I are like Georgetown coaches put together. And it was also with like the GW uh, baseball team, George Washington baseball team, um, and other kids from the area that had kind of draft interest um, and aspirations to do so. So we kind of all threw in front of a scout or like took BP if you're a position player, like threw across the diamond if you're an infielder, outfielder, or whatever, uh, ran 60s, that kind of stuff. Um, so then I got to throw in that and I threw pretty well. So that was kind of like the peak of the fall and kind of like peaked some draft interest because I was like, like 93, 95 um, in that outing, which, or I guess in that bullpen, it wasn't really an outing, but there were a lot of scouts there. And after that, um, a couple weeks later, I got a contract to play. Well, it got canceled, but I got a contract to play in the Cape this summer, which is like probably the best. It is the best baseball league, summer league in the country. Um, but when that got canceled, obviously a lot of things kind of fell through for a lot of other players too. And so I was lucky enough to get on the team this summer. And uh, this summer I've been trying to get that VLO back up, but I've been like 91 and 93 um, in my th three or four outings so far. So that's been good. Did I miss anything? Is there anything else you want me to touch on? or What's, what's your potential grade A through F? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think, it I think it depends on a Can't lot. I think, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I believe in myself. Yeah. But Love that. <laughs> I think I think I still have to prove myself and I still have to prove myself in um, more pressure situations. And I think a big thing that maybe not many baseball or not many out of baseball people know is like the draft being shortened and that kind of stuff really changes um, a lot, especially like money wise and um, opportunity wise, um, especially with a lot of like minor leaguers getting cut this past year. Um, it's kind of just like a different environment going on right now so that uh obviously opens a lot of opportunities but also may close some so just makes it uh even a little bit more competitive i think absolutely so just to just to close things out um do you have a world series pick for this year uh i mean it's gonna be super cliche but i'm gonna go to dodgers boo yeah boo i mean not even the best team I mean, in the come on. <laughs> i mean come on like last night it was just they're playing the hey, Giants. Carter, <laughs> Carter, Carter, yes, Carter, like, Carter, you could shut out the what? Giants right now. I'm, I'm confident yeah. in that. I'm confident all right, in that. All right, all right. Are you telling me Dustin May is not disgusting though or no? Dustin May looks all right. But like if <laughs> Dustin May was playing the Braves or the Yankees, it, it might have been a Thank little bit of a different story. <laughs> it's your opening day. It'll yeah, be I nice mean, for one day. <laughs> I thought the Yankees did look good as well. Yeah. Um, obviously, it'll probably be Dodgers-Yankees or something like that in the end, but uh, I don't know. I feel like the Dodgers have to crack through at some point because they just signed Mookie and, like, 
I don't know. They have all the pieces. I hear you, I guess. Yep. And both of them yeah. aren't playing cheaters anymore, which is what ran them out of the playoffs <laughs> yep. the last three years. Yeah, <laughs> Quick question. Exactly. How do you feel about stuff like that as a pitcher? Like when you hear about sign stealing and things like that, how, do, how does that make you feel as a pitcher? I'm going to kind of say something that I may be controversial, but I think a lot of pitchers feel this way. I'd rather have, I'd rather face a player that is completely roided up and like, is just like, I guess stronger than he should be or whatever. Um, but still has to make contact with the ball, then face someone that knows what every pitch is coming and like knows like how hard, or I guess like you have scouting reports and stuff of how hard pitches are and stuff. But timing wise, if you know, you have an extra second to react to a slider or if like you know like you don't have that extra second you have to get your front foot down early for a fastball or whatever that totally kind of changes the game um so yeah i mean i think i pretty much stand with everyone else it's ridiculous i think um i think it's interesting because i don't know as much about how it really affects pitchers on their teams like i was thinking about this last night with like garrett cole um like i think it was very smart of him to just get out of there and like me too. Just kind of get away from it all. <laughs> like, get away from it all. Um, yeah, I, I can feel that you love having him now. Um, but, like, as a pitcher, um, I was tr- struggling with, like, what's the equivalent of sign stealing for a hitter? Like, I, I couldn't even think about it. Like, there isn't one. I'm not sure there is one. Yeah. Yeah, so, that, I mean. Yeah, it I might just, be the biggest advantage you can get in baseball, I would argue. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Yeah, it's a joke. <laughs> yeah, I, we've given our thoughts on it before. <laughs> Quick one, uh, and this is the real last one now. Yeah, sorry. Um, give me a sleeper team for the year. Sleeper team that could make the playoffs and do some damage. So, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what you guys classify as a sleeper team, but I would just say a couple of the other, uh, a couple teams that I do um, like a lot are obviously the NL East. Whoever. I don't know who's going to win it this year, but whoever kind of doesn't win it and is in like second or third, um, I think there's going to be a lot of emotion there and a lot of aggression and potentially kind of lead to some success in the postseason. Um, So I was like, I I think the Nats, yeah, I think, I think the Nats have some potential. I think the Mets um, are something to look at as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, so you're just assuming that the Braves will win it, right? That's what it sounds like. (laughs) I do personally think the Braves are going to win it. I think the Phillies will make it close. I think the Phillies will probably come wow. in second. Wow. That's a sleeper um, pick right there. Oh, it is? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I think the <laughs> Phillies uh, – I mean, I don't know. It, it all depends on, I think, how like the Nats hit, especially with Juan Soto out and that kind of stuff. I don't know. Um, I, I mean, if we have the pitching, but I don't know if we have the hitting anymore. Yeah, I would agree with that. But it's hard to tell after one game against Garrett Cole. So <laughs> yeah, it is. Very much so is. Um yeah. I wish I'd do that hard, but we'll see. <laughs> well, thank you for uh coming on, Carter. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you guys having me on and uh it's a pleasure. So that was really interesting because I think you and me have a tendency to focus on more tangible things like velocity and strike throwing. And Absolutely. How much stronger a guy got when he made the jump from high school to uh, to college, but Carter brought up some really good points about his mentality and the mental side of the game that we don't talk about enough. Yeah, um, him, him saying, especially him saying that that was like the biggest jump, not actually like the velo increase, because that's for for every single guy that we've had on here that we've talked to about college pitching, which has been quite a few at this point. Yeah, <laughs> every single one of them they talk about the velo, partially because we ask them. But it, I mean, that's a big step too. 
But it's cool to hear that a guy that cracked into his freshman rotation did so by changing his mentality more so than changing his velo. And having played with him in that year where he took that huge step forward, you could see it. Like You could see the confidence that he was just walking around with, that there was a different kind of swagger with him that he hadn't had before in his mm-hmm. two first years in high school of high school. So mm-hmm. uh, that was pretty cool to see. So that's it. That's all we got for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Big time basketball next time. Season's coming up pretty yep, soon. Yep. Season will probably be started next time we have an episode. And check out our Instagram for our DraftKings success, early success in the baseball or season. Or Twitter. Or Twitter. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, give us a follow. At Podcast Fallout. Yep. And keep, keep us going on Instagram as well. So See you guys. You've been listening to The Fallout. Thanks for tuning in.